In this episode, we will talk about left-to-right shunt congenital heart diseases. We will start with the normal embryology and then understand how and where the development of the heart goes wrong. We will talk about five different types, which will be ventricular septal defect, atrial septal defect, patent ductus arteriosus, Eisenmenger syndrome, and coarctation of the aorta. You are listening to MedMints, a podcast to refresh your medical knowledge. I'm your host, Alisa Saleh. Congenital heart diseases are a result of abnormal development of the heart. This abnormal development can occur in the embryonic life. Some congenital heart diseases are discovered early in life, and unfortunately, some are discovered later in life. First, let's recall the normal embryological development of the atrium and the ventricular septum. So, let's get into it. From the roof of the primitive atrium, the septum primum grows downwards, but does not reach to septum intermedium, which is also called atrioventricular endocardial cushion. Because septum primum does not reach all the way, it therefore leaves an opening which is called foramen primum. Few days after, before septum primum fuses with septum intermedium, in the middle part of the septum primum, there is a perforation going on. Small dots of apoptosis, we can say. This perforation makes new foramen, which is called foramen secundum. Meanwhile, this happens, the lower part of the septum primum fuses with septum intermedium. This leaves closing of foramen primum completely. Another septum develops on the right side of septum primum. This is called septum secundum, which grows downwards and gradually overlaps the foramen secundum that was created by perforations. But again, this septum does not reach septum intermedium. So we get a new foramen which is called foramen ovale. So before birth, foramen ovale allows oxygenated blood entering from right atrium to left atrium. And after birth, the pressure in the left atrium increases and foramen ovale gets closed by fusing with septum secundum. This forms what we call fossa ovalis. So after fossa ovalis, interatrial septum is complete. There are three different types of atrioseptal defect that I want to mention. First one, primum atrioseptal defect. Second, secundum atrioseptal defect. And last, sinus venous atrioseptal defect. First one is atrioseptal defect. This is when septum primum grows down but does not close totally the wall between right and left atrium. It is associated with mitral valve or tricuspid valve defect. Another atrioseptal defect is secundum atrioseptal defect. This is when secundum does not develop well to cover primum foramen. The new foramen will become large and this is the most common type. And lastly, we have the atrioseptal defect, which is called sinus venosus atrioseptal defect. Here, the sinus venosus does not develop properly, so it does not cover the upper part and therefore a new hole is formed at the top. 
But a question I want to answer before we go deeper into what happens in different forms of atrial septal defect is what is the difference between patent foramen ovale and atrial septal defect? So in patient with patent foramen ovale, we have a problem with the effusion of septum primum and septum secundum. And therefore, we do not have deficiency of development of secundum, like seen in atrioseptal defect. So again, in patent foramen ovale, there is a problem with the effusion process, whereas in atrioseptal defect, there is a problem with the development of the septum. Clinically, patent foramen ovale is important because thrombi or emboli can travel from the systemic vein and get from the right atrium to the left atrium and then gets pumped into the systemic circulation and causes infarction in the brain, for example. This is called paroxysmal emboli. So let's understand what happens to the body when we have atrioseptal defect. First, what happens is that oxygen saturation increases in the right side of the heart because of the left-to-right shunt. There will also be volume overload in the atrium and in the right ventricle. This further leads to volume overload in the pulmonary circulation. Over the years, the smooth muscles around pulmonary arteries undergo constriction and medial hypotrophy. These two things lead to pulmonary hypertension, and this pulmonary hypertension normally develops slowly, but in this case it develops very fast. If this stays chronic, the intima becomes thick and fibrotic, and dangerous changes occur, like intimal obstruction. So now, with all these conditions, we can call it for obstructive pulmonary vascular disease, and this is irreversible. This makes it also difficult for the right ventricle to pump blood into the lungs, so the right ventricle undergoes hypertrophy. These high pressures can lead to pressure increasing in the right atrium more than left atrium. So the shunt direction will switch, and when the shunt direction switches, we call it for Eisenmenger syndrome, which is, you can say, chronic right-to-left shunt. This point I just described is seen clinically in patients. So, due to the hypertrophic and dilated right atrium, patients can get atrial fibrillation. Due to the high volume in pulmonary arteries, patients might have palpitations. Patients can also have paradoxal embolism, wide fixed S2 heart sound, and when left ventricle dilates, it may stretch the right bundle branch and may cause blockage. Best diagnosis is done by doing echocardiogram. How to manage the patient depends on the size of the shunt. If it is very small, it can be left, but if the size is big, it needs surgery. Now to another type of left-to-right shunt, ventricle septal defect. This is caused by defect in the septum in between the ventricles. Therefore, we call it for ventricle septal defect. So, this is associated with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which is a group of diseases that result when the mother had been drinking during pregnancy. The defect can occur on different parts of the ventricular septum. So, if the defect is located on the most upper part, just below pulmonary artery, it is called infundibular. If the defect is located on the membranous part, which is more upper part of the ventricular septum, 
we call it for membranous. This type is the most common area where the defect is located. And then if the defect is located on the lower part, then we call it for muscular. In ventricular septal defect, the blood is shunted from left to right side. If the defect is small, it causes louder murmur. So smaller defect, louder murmur. If it is small defect, it might spontaneously close. But in babies with big ventricular septal defect, the defect does not close spontaneously and therefore surgery is needed. If it is not closed by the surgery, the larger defect can cause volume overload, pressure overload, hypertrophy, increased risk for infective endocarditis. It can also cause blood volume to increase in pulmonary circulation, which will lead to pulmonary hypertension and obstructive pulmonary vascular disease, which is irreversible. Larger defect can also cause Eisenmenger syndrome which is when the left to right shunt switches to right to left shunt. And this is clinically seen as cyanosis because blood from the right side, which is deoxygenated, goes to the left side. And this leads to cyanosis. Low oxygen supply will go to the kidneys and this leads to excessive production of erythropoietin, which leads to erythrocytosis. And lastly, there can also be clubbing due to chronic hypoxia in end of the fingers and the toes. Now to another left to right shunt, which is called patent ductus arteriosus. Normally during prenatal life, the ductus arteriosus is open. Ductus arteriosus is kept open due to prostaglandin 2 and no oxygen in pulmonary system. So after baby is born, normally ductus arteriosus should close and leave ligamentum arteriosum. But if it's not close, we call it for patent ductus arteriosus. If patent ductus arteriosus is large, pulmonary circulation becomes overloaded with volume and pressure. This overload can lead to pulmonary hypertension and obstructive pulmonary vascular disease and further right ventricular hypertrophy and even failure. And also, left ventricle has to work harder in order to keep the cardiac output because some of the blood is returning back to the heart through ductus arteriosus. When this becomes very severe, the shunt might switch direction. Now the deoxygenated blood is going to aorta, especially to the lower part of body, because the oxygenated blood first reaches the upper part of the body. So when the upper part of the body gets oxygenated blood and the lower part of the body is left with deoxygenated blood, we call this condition for differential cyanosis. So where cyanosis only affect the lower limbs. In those patients, we can hear machinery murmur. And this is because of the high pressure moving from aorta to pulmonary circulation. As mentioned earlier, the ductus arteriosus is kept open even after the baby is born, where it normally should turn into ligament, called ligamentum arteriosum. What keeps the ductus arteriosus open is prostaglandins. So what we can do is to give the patient drug called indomethacin, which inhibits or reduces the prostaglandin 2, which is produced by the placenta. But if this still does not help and ductus arteriosus still does not close, the patient needs surgery. Now to another type, which is less common. 
This is called atrioventricular septal defect. One third of these patients are associated with Down syndrome. Here we see partial development of atrial and ventricular septum. The endocardial cushion are not developed here. The last defect I want to mention is coarctation of aorta. This is not left to right shunt, but presents as patent ductus arteriosus, where we also see the lower extremity getting cyanotic. Therefore, I included it in this episode. It involves narrowing of descending aorta near the insertion of ductus arteriosus. This is associated with Turner syndrome, which is monosomy X. If the coarctation is severe, it causes cyanosis of the lower extremities and can even cause heart failure and shock after closure of patent ductus arteriosus. Coarctation of aorta can have many complications. It can lead to hypertension, aortic dissection, hemorrhagic stroke due to ruptured aneurysm. It can also cause delayed lower extremity pulses called brachial femoral delay. And it can cause lower extremity claudications. And lastly, it can cause inferior rib notching, which is seen on chest x-ray due to the collateral circulation in the intercostal arteries. So we covered ventricular septal defect, atrial septal defect, patent ductus arteriosus, Eisenmenger syndrome, and coarctation of the aorta. Just one last important thing I want to mention about left to right shunt congenital heart disease is that individuals with infective endocarditis may have underlying condition of congenital heart disease, either ventricular septal defect, patent ductus arteriosus, or correction of aorta. But it is not associated with atrioseptal defect because in atrioseptal defect, there is low pressure differentiation between the atria to cause hemodynamic injury. That was everything about left to right shunt. If you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcast or share it with other students. Next episode will be about right to left shunts. So stay tuned and until next time, take care and see you soon.